conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. It's 13 minutes after 4 o'clock. We're in conversation next with uh, Tuli Sandela, who is a member of the NYDA board. So what should the response be to the issue of young people between the ages of 15 to 24 who cannot be accounted for within the formal education, employment or training? Stats SA reported recently that 3.4 million youth out of the 10.2 million who are unemployed are not at a school and aren't in any of uh, the training facilities and, of course, unemployed. The NYDA today held a status of youth dialogue with the National Planning Commission to discuss ways to bring these young people into the economy. Tulisa Andlela is a member of the NYDA board. Tulisa, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Good afternoon, Algen, and uh, good afternoon to your listener. I have thank to say that, thanks thanks a lot, the, the report paints quite uh, quite a bleak picture. Um, Gauteng, for instance, having the highest number of youth-headed households, 1.5 million. Um, in terms of gender, 64% of youth-headed households were headed by males, and uh, 36% being headed by women. What's happening? Look, I, I think the report makes for a very depressing reading. And, and for me, the, the one takeaway uh, that that really uh, brings the point t- together is the number of young people who are in the neat category in the urban areas versus the rural areas. When I look at it and I say the majority of young people, almost 60% in the neat area are in the urban areas, which talks to the migration from rural spaces into spaces of potential opportunities. Mm. And the, the, the difficulty with that is, with the food security concerns that we have, it, it says to you, unless we can reverse that pattern and more young people go back and um, involve themselves in agricultural activity with the export opportunities that exist, you are not likely to make a dent insofar as uh, the need uh, space is concerned. Mm-hmm. So, so if, let's speak, for instance, with agriculture. And there, there, there are a number of initiatives that are available um, where government is saying that it, it's going to intervene. It says it's going to support uh, people. Uh, and, uh, there was an issue that was raised by one young person actually in the sector as well, saying that one of the biggest problems that they face is um, the cost of, of, of the equipment, that the equipment is too expensive and therefore they're not able to run, to run the business. So what then happens to the young people, though, who are not in employment, who are not in training, who have no qualification, because those people too need to be fed. Yes, and I, and, and I, and I think the the dialogue we had today, uh, together with the National Planning Commission, is really in part about recognizing the the demands of the N, uh, the National Development Plan, which speak about nine of the eleven million jobs to be created by 2030 coming from small to medium enterprises. Now, that is a vast majority of the the exact jobs that will have to come from uh, small to medium enterprises, which underscores the need for young people uh, in the neat um, category, which is not in school, not in education and training, uh, and even in employment, to be able to involve themselves in entrepreneurial activities not to have a big company, but to have a small to medium enterprise that employs three to five people and has a niche market and targets a certain uh, clientele 
and is able to, with that multiplied, you are then able to deal with it. But some of the problems, Adrian, they are not they are not to be resolved today because some of them are structural. Uh, I speak about the kind of educational outcomes we have. And, and I know a lot of uh, people would say we need to transform our education and whatnot, but there are questions in the conversation that are left behind, such as the involvement of communities in the educational outcomes of the, uh, of, of, of the schools that surround them. And how, is the, how are communities involved in the kind of things that get taught and the amount of hours that get taught in the school? The, some of the stats read for, make for horrible reading, such as the, the number of people at grade uh, three to five who cannot read for meaning um, is exponential in this country. And that speaks to the layers of the structural problems moving forward insofar as if you can unlock that burden at an educational level, you give a young person a better chance to be economically active mm. in the future. But what we do with the with those ones, the ones who don't have any education, um, and if you look at stats, it says, it says that uh, with the people with no matric, for instance, who are unemployed, they stand at 40.2% compared to people who have a tertiary qualification where the unemployment stat there is at 23.2%. So, so, so what do we do with that 40%? The 40% needs to be able to um, undergo what we call a skills revolution. They have to be able to be within the skilling, uh, mostly in the vocational skills. Does that include compensation? Because, because vocational training that you do not have to have uh, grade 12 in order for you to qualify. But you qualify for it yep. as early as, as grade 9. You'd be able to, as, as an outcome to grade 9, you able to qualify for it. But some of the challenges you really you're raising right now is is around um, compensation. Uh, compensation. Mm. Training, just like any vocational training, just like any other training, needs to be supported and is supported by the state uh, through the the NSFAS, but it does not give um, any form of uh, remuneration whatsoever because it is just that training. Yeah. So, so, so what then do we do there? Because again, if we link if we link that particular issue around unemployment, where people who don't have a, a who don't have a uh, don't have a metric, and you speak about the forty percent there, and we link it to um, children who are actually heading households, sixty four percent of youth headed households are headed by males, thirty six percent are headed by females. Again, these would be people who would actually require some sort of income that would come from somewhere if we say to them, go and get some training. Sure, it is training that's going to help them at some point, but they need an income now. Which, which is why whilst we need a two-pronged approach. The immediate approach would necessarily be in the form of some social uh, services net, which admittedly at this stage, given the available resources, will not go enough. But the educational uh, and training uh, interventions are not for today. They are for the future and making sure that upon getting that um, educational outcome, you are now able to be economically active. But whilst in that, whilst in that training, we do encourage as the agents, the young people, to participate in entrepreneurial activities because it is possible for a young person 
was doing training to be able to run uh, whatever entrepreneurial activity, be it small or, or, or medium enterprise, in order for them to be able to augment their income and their resources. What you are not able to do is to sit on the side and say, because there is no food today, therefore we must not plant a seed for when for tomorrow. Yeah. We are not able to take that particular approach because it then guarantees that uh, the poverty we see today will continue long into the future. And I don't think we are that generation of young people who should be thinking along that line. Aren't you setting young people up for failure by consistently pushing them to entrepreneurship and knowing that the burdens that come with that as well and the requirements? And then on the other end as well, um, should the basic income grant, I don't know if the NYDA is in support of a basic income grant, should it be linked to some skills training at all? Look, the, the NYDA runs a program called the National Youth Service, um, which is a, a program of community uh, works where young people work in, in the, within their communities and they give their time um, and, and skill insofar as areas of community work. And with that, they get some form of remuneration. Uh, we probably would be more in, in support of a works program instead of a, a basic grant program because again uh, with a grant program you really do not have a structured skill program that allows you uh, to be able to either do voluntary work in your community or be able to pick up a skill as and when you do the work responsible responsive to uh, what your community needs so we are probably likely to um, if you go between the two uh, which I don't think should be the, the conversation, but if we were to get to that conversation, we will be aligned more to a works program, um, a structured works program, other than a, a basic grant because uh, of the disadvantages I've mentioned already. So I don't think that's where we are. But the failure of entrepreneurship um, and, and businesses in this country is not a unique phenomenon. It's a phenomenon that happens right across the world. Businesses do sometimes succeed, but they do sometimes do not succeed. But the important thing is a young person who's got an idea must be able to try, and they must not say, I'm not going to try uh, to be entrepreneurial because there is a risk of failing. Yeah. If we decided to act based on the absence of risk, I can tell you now, my brother, you and I won't be doing anything because okay. there's risk everywhere we go. Tulisa, thank you so much for your time. Tulisa Ndlela is a board member of the NYDA.